Today's My Thoughts Monday is brought to you by Gym Aware, the leading tool when measuring performance in the weight room. Guys, VBT is all the craze right now. It's a hot, sexy topic, although it's something that's been around for a while. And the man who wrote the book on velocity-based training, Brian Mann, has called the Gym Aware the Rolls Royce when it comes to velocity measuring devices. Guys, the ability for you to shoot all your information right up into the cloud and store it right away is enough for, for me right there to, to make sure that this is something that I had in my weight room. Putting things together with instant feedback as to how the reps are being performed. On top of that, with the x-axis correction, so you don't have to necessarily worry about direct positioning when you're performing the exercises. Tying that in with the visualization of everything and the ability to allow the athletes to compete. Make this an absolutely stellar tool and something I couldn't recommend you having in your weight room enough. Hop on over to kinetic.com.au today and see everything that they have to offer. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. So hey everyone, um, first of all, thank you very much to Jay for inviting me to do this monologue uh, for cvasps.com. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Keir Wenham Flat. Um, I'm probably best well known for my work in rugby uh, through rugbystrengthcoach.com. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can. Also, with the, the social media platforms, uh, same name. So, my background is primarily professional and international rugby, but in the last three months, I've emigrated to the US and now I'm uh, a member of staff at the University of Richmond where I work alongside Jay. And if you've checked out his website, and you know of me, or you've checked out my website, and you know of uh, Jay, you'll know that we share a lot of philosophical similarities, which is no surprise. We've been friends for a long time. We look to a lot of the people, uh, the same people, when it comes to what we're trying to learn about in terms of physical preparation, strength and conditioning. Um, and one of the things that we share a lot of similarity on is trying to adhere as much as possible to a minimalist or low volume approach to strength training with athletes. And what I'm going to talk about in this 10 minute, maybe 10 minute monologue today is what I think the five most important reasons are for trying to implement an approach like this in our work with athletes. Number one is prioritizing the stuff that matters. Any good strength and conditioning coach 
will be quite honest in telling you that of the four areas, tactical, technical, psychological, and physical, physical is perhaps the least important in terms of determining the on-field result in athletics. Once you achieve a minimum standard physically, it's going to be the other three areas uh, that determine the outcome on game day. At the elite level, everyone is big, strong, fast, fit, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you look at physical characteristics throughout the season, they are very, very stable from week to week. And yet on-field results do not reflect that. They can go up and down week to week um, with dramatic swings in performance. And truthfully, the reason for this is that the tactical execution of sporting skill, pardon me, the technical execution of sporting skill or the tactical scheme that is selected by the coach um, to try and maximize our strengths and exploit opponents' weaknesses or the, um, the psychological makeup which controls and implements these other two factors, tactics and technique, they are far more um, variable from week to week. They are far more volatile and consequently they have a far more important um, impact on performance. Uh, so once we establish that these things are most important to the outcome of on-field performance because there are strength coaches that do everything wrong and still win everything because of the, these other three factors... Um, conversely, there are strength coaches which do everything right and yet they can't buy a win because of deficiencies elsewhere in the program. So once we establish that these three areas are uh, should be prioritized in the hierarchy within the program, we should attempt to maximize training time availability to dedicate towards these areas. Uh, that means that a low volume approach is going to lend itself to this. And once we've uh, dedicated the minimum amount of time to keep improving the athletes physically, achieve that bare minimum standard that we're looking for, that frees us up for a lot more time to dedicate in uh, training to these other three areas. And if you work in an environment like the NCAA, you'll know that we do have a finite limit of the amount of training that we can do. So this is, uh, I think, one of the most important reasons to implement a low volume approach. Number two is long-term adaptation within the program. It's a fact that every new exercise every amount of frequency, every amount of intensity, every amount of volume has a limited ability to elicit adaptation within the athlete. Every time we use it, we've begun on the path to reaching a point of zero return or, or diminishing returns. And then we are forced to use even more complexity, intensity, frequency, and volume to keep moving the dial in the right direction. And obviously we have a genetic ceiling. This is why we don't have people running the 100 in five seconds. It's why we can't just keep adding weight to the bar and uh, we're going to squat seven, 800 pounds, every one of us. So for that reason, coaches, ha coaches have a vested interest in delaying the point of diminishing returns for as long as possible. And every time you introduce one of those four variables into the program prematurely, you have prematurely um, begun on the road to diminishing returns. So for this reason, we should always try and use the minimum amount of stress, the minimum amount of frequency, volume, intensity, complexity that is going to allow the athlete to continue to progress and to continue to improve in the key performance indicators for their position or for their sport. And if you think about it like this, outside of training, we pride ourselves as consumers of paying the minimum amount possible uh, when we buy something. For example, this bottle right here, if it costs $10, uh, I should pay $10 for it. If it costs $10 and I give you $50 for it, uh, I'm an idiot. The same in training. You know, if it costs one set 
of 20 to keep uh, adding weight to the bar, to keep improving the KPIs, I should do uh, one set of 20. And yet in strength conditioning, we have a real cultural thing of if it costs one set and we do five sets, uh, we pat ourselves in the back and compliment each other on how tough we are. But really, um, it's a poor decision. It's as poor as paying $50 for a $10 water bottle because we have... Um, paid a higher price than necessary to elicit adaptation and we've actually uh, hastened the point of diminishing returns and that is not going to help us or our athletes in the long term so if you can get over that cultural difficulty that that mental difficulty particularly in you know the tough guy sports like rugby I'm no stranger to that in American football uh, we're going to serve ourselves and our athletes better number three is the idea of maximizing potential upside versus minimizing potential downside. If you read guys like Nassim Taleb, who wrote Anti-Fragile, The Black Swan, uh, Fooled by Randomness, and most recently Skin in the Game, what he talks about is the idea of trying to minimize drawbacks or downsides whilst maximizing potential upsides when we are working in systems with incomplete knowledge um, or situations where we cannot control a large amount of variables. And this is basically um, sport training. We are dealing with incomplete knowledge. We cannot control all the variables. So this really applies in our situation. Now, if we look at overtraining versus undertraining, we need to think about what the potential downsides versus the potential upsides are. Now, overtraining, what are the potential downsides? Well, they're quite significant. We get a reduction in performance. We get an increase in the risk of injury. Um, and it's going to take a very, very long time to fix. Uh, if we look at the potential upsides of overtraining, there are none. Now, if we look at the potential downsides of undertraining, uh, we get a little bit less adaptation. Does that mean that we get no adaptation? No, it doesn't. We'll get some. We might just we might not hit the optimal point. Um, if we look at the potential upsides of um, undertraining, well, it means that we have athletes that are a little bit fresher. Uh, we've not um, increased the risk of injury. We've not increased the risk of illness. Uh, and the the upside is it's very, very easy to solve. If you have athletes that you think are under training, and I've yet to really meet one that is under training, you simply add more of the factors that we talked about earlier, a bit more intensity, a bit more frequency, a bit more volume, a bit more novelty to the program, and it's easily solved. The, the solution to overtraining is uh, far more costly in terms of training time uh, lost. It's far more costly in terms of time, and it's far more costly in terms of uh, harm that we've done to the athlete because remember we've also hastened that point of diminishing returns uh, the analogy that was told to me by uh, Steve McNamara who was head coach of England Rugby League when I worked in Sydney was uh, overtraining is is a lot like uh, baking a cake if you open the oven and check the cake and it's a little bit undercooked that's very very easy to solve you just crank up the oven and it will cook a little bit quicker if you open the oven door and that cake is starting to burn or it's burnt already, that is very, very difficult to, um, well, not difficult, it's impossible to solve. The cake is burnt and no amount of uh, trickery is going to undo that. So try and approach uh, strength training the same way. Always err on the side of undercooking rather than overcooking because that is a lot easier to solve. And uh, a minimalist approach is going to help you to do that. Number four is what I would refer to as wiggle room. Once we accept the notion that... Um, Adaptation is an inverted U. Some is good, more is better, up to an optimal point, and then any more training beyond that is going to result in diminished adaptation, ultimately a point of zero, and it keeps going into 
declining performance with additional training stress. Uh, we have to try and hit the optimal amount of training every single session so that athletes can adapt as much as possible uh, and continu continue to improve in the long term. Now, the thing about uh, athletic training is that strength training is not the only stuff that they do. They are doing speed training, conditioning training, they're doing games, they're doing walkthroughs, they're doing practice with the sport coaches. And the reality is that uh, due to the nature of the tasks, these are all far less controllable than what we do in the weight room. Uh, sometimes sport practice is going to go over. Sometimes a sport coach is going to want to do more. Sometimes a game is harder than we expected. Uh, these things come up and obviously they are going to eat into the amount of training that can be done elsewhere within the program. And sometimes if we don't plan properly, we're going to push the athlete beyond that optimal point uh, to the point where adaptation to training is either diminished or we reach a point of zero or even worse, we actually make our athletes worse. So for this reason, we want to adopt an approach in the areas which we can control, also known as physical training, whereby we use minimal volume, minimal intensity, minimal frequency and complexity in the program so that we provide ourselves with a buffer of additional training stress, which can be used up and may push the athlete to an optimal point. It gives us the wiggle room that um, we need <clears throat> for unpredictable situations like I just mentioned. Uh, it, it, in rare occasions, it may be that the head coach says to you, oh, you know, they've done enough in sport practice. Um, we don't need to do any more. You use up that additional time uh, or additional training stress to give them more in terms of physical training. That may happen in, in times like off-season. Typically, though, it happens in the opposite direction. And we as strength coaches need to be prepared for that because if we're adopting uh, a high-volume, high-intensity, high-frequency approach, unnecessarily so, uh, and these unpredictable situations occur, we are not going to be helping our athletes. Number five is intensity. You cannot train uh, hard and long together. You train hard or you train long. This was told to me by Bob Alejo and he's absolutely right. Um, if we look at the research, intensity is a lot easier to recover from than volume. Um, likewise, intensity is required for overload to elicit adaptation. Intensity tells us what adaptation we're going to get. Volume tells us uh, just how much of it we're going to get. So volume in the absence of intensity is, is not going to be a good program. Intensity must come first. Volume must come second. And when we adopt a minimalist approach, it creates a situation whereby we force athletes to be productive on every single set. If you only have one go or two goes at an exercise, um, you are really going to have to give everything you can on that set to, to make that session a productive one. And I think sometimes when we uh, adopt a higher volume approach, uh, inadvertently, we're going to reduce the intensity of what we're doing because we can't do both train hard and long. Uh, subconsciously, athletes are going to uh, pace themselves. And uh, culturally, we create a situation whereby we give the athlete an out. If they don't do well on this first set, oh, well, it's okay, I've got five more to go. Um, so what I've found is that when we adopt a minimalist approach, we are we are putting athletes under pressure whereby they have to produce uh, on every single set. Um, when they get under the bar, they're going to have to go hard and they're going to have to make it count. And we're going to adopt a, a similar philosophy on the field. It's not, oh, oh, we'll just get it on the next rep. It's when you do something on the field, you get it right first time and you make it count. So I think a minimalist approach, in addition to all the other reasons that we've discussed, um, it lends itself well to and is a lot more synchronized with what we're talking about on the field so uh, train hard not necessarily train long um, be accountable make it count every single time you get under the bar and 
honestly, I think sometimes doing more is just the easy way out. If you have a limited opportunity to make it count, that's actually quite a, a, a high pressure situation for athletes and coaches. And um, we should get comfortable being uncomfortable uh, in that environment. Once again, thank you to Jay for inviting me to uh, give this short monologue. Um, thank you for watching. If you have any questions about this, please feel free to contact me um, on any of the social media um, platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you just search for Rugby Strength Coach, you can contact me at Keir, K-E-I-R, at RugbyStrengthCoach.com. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and answer any questions that you have. So thanks very much, guys. <laughs>